Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good afternoon, everyone, across the state of Mississippi, coast to coast, border to border, wherever you might be listening to us on the Super Talk Mississippi network of stations. I'm Kelly Sander, along with producer engineer Michael Mergens, aka Merg, on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. To come on the program today, we will be talking with the first woman to ever cover. Southern Miss Athletics and Sports in General in South Mississippi. Beth Taylor will be joining us momentarily. Patrick McGee from NOLA.com will be joining us later on to talk about the quarterback situation in New Orleans after the big victory over the Evil Empire, also known as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this past weekend in New Orleans. And then in our final segment today, we're going to break down the Massey ratings, both in football and basketball, and talk about how those two different sports are being shown two different kinds of love from the Massey ratings. That's all to come this hour. This segment brought to you by our friends at Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Dickey's is going to be handling uh, our tailgate this coming Saturday when uh, North Texas comes to town for that 2 o'clock start. And they can take care of yours as well, whether it's brisket, pork, all the sides that come along with it. Uh, Dickey's Barbecue has been a supporter of the Eagle Hour, and uh, we certainly endorse their services as well. Cooked here, loved everywhere, Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Joining us on the Super Talk Mississippi Hotline, a native of New Orleans, Louisiana. She did her undergraduate work at LSU and then came to South Mississippi to work in the television market. Was the first female reporter to ever cover sports and indeed Southern Miss. Back in 1979, we welcome Beth Taylor to the program. Beth, good afternoon to you. Hi, Kelly. It's good to be with you today. Thank you. Let me ask first the most obvious question. How did you deal? We didn't live in the, in the woke society uh, that we live in now, back in 1979. So the obvious question was, how did you deal with having a job to do, but having obvious lack of access to male athletes? I have to credit the people of South Mississippi. They were so good to me when I moved to Hattiesburg. Well, I actually moved to Laurel and covered both Laurel and Hattiesburg. But South Mississippi welcomed me with open arms, um, and there were some times that were frustrating, but uh, when you realize what you're doing is to inform the public, then you just do it. And I was fortunate enough to do that. Mr. Rubin, who owned the TV station, the late Mr. Rubin, um, went out on a limb with me and brought me in. And then, of course, Regal Napier, who was my boss, for seven years we shared an office. Um, he was very understanding and easy to get along with. And, yeah, I made some missteps, and Regal would say, let's fix it. And uh, it made it all worthwhile. The people of South Mississippi were so good to me. And Regal Napier was actually a one-time sports information director at Southern Miss. And the, mis- yeah. the Mr. Rubin that you were referring to is the late Marvin Rubin, who owned uh, WDAM-TV in Laurel and Hattiesburg, which was the media outlet that you referenced. Besides access, Beth, did you have a problem with legitimacy? And I mean that with all due respect, because back then people would go, oh, gosh, a female reporter, really? 
Yeah, I think there was sometimes. I remember I was thinking about this last night when I was watching the uh, the World Series. I remember saying that uh, a, a baseball pitcher won the game uh, of a particular game that night, and some guy called me on the phone and just said, "How can you say that? How can you do that? It's not right." And I went, "I made a mistake. I'm sorry, but I made a mistake." Um, you know, there was it was there was a learning curve. Uh, when Regal interviewed me for the job, he said, uh, tell me about your sports experience. I said, well, I went to LSU, so that pretty much answers some questions. Right. Uh, and I grew up in a house with two, uh, three brothers and my father and my mother. But uh, we had guys in the house, so sports was on the TV. And um, I learned to love it. And I still love sports to this day. But it's it's kind of like the old Avis TV commercials, though, Beth. Did you find yourself having to try harder simply because of your gender? I was trying harder because I had to learn a lot of things. Uh, and that was the most important thing was to learn it and to be credible when I went on the air. And so, yeah, there was a, there was a learning curve. I had to come up with some things. And occasionally people would give me a hard time about it, but really not that much. I remember being out one night with friends. And uh, we were listening to a band, and the guy from the band said, hey, we got the uh, television station's female sportscaster in here. And he yelled, how do you do an interview in the locker room? I yelled, don't look down. (laughs) Well, that's that's if if they let you in the locker room. But that goes back to the question about access a little bit later on. Did you, those hurdles to where... Uh, the gender difference where athletes would just say, I'm not going to, did they ever say, I'm just not going to talk to a female reporter? Yeah. Or were there parameters around the interview? I will talk to you after a certain time or in a certain place, et cetera. No. Um, there were some women who had filed a lawsuit against the NFL wanting to be in the locker room. And I can understand that uh, because the guys were in there getting the interviews and we had to wait till it was all over with. But, um, and, and maybe, maybe not get an interview. But um, it wasn't that difficult. Okay. Uh, You wanted to do the job right, and I did want to do the job right. I owed that to my viewers. What what were some of the the favorite things that you remember covering the Golden Eagles in your time at at Channel 7 as the first female reporter? Well, when you say first, you've got to go back to the first time that um, Southern Miss went to a bowl game in recent memory. Um, and that was at the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. And um, I thought for sure that Regal was going to want to go to that. He was an LSU, I mean, a uh, Southern Miss alum. I thought he was going to want to go to the uh, to the football game, and he said, I can't go. You need to go. And so that was uh, a big deal. You know, I had, I had been to bowl, uh, bowl games before as a uh, LSU fan, and I had even been to the Super Bowl. But um, for Southern Miss, this was it. This was the big brass ring that you're grabbing for. And so I was, uh, I was quite proud to be able to share that with the Southern Miss fans. And Beth Taylor, as a female reporter, too, it, it doesn't, I mean, you are subject to the same uh, potential issues that male reporters are in the sense that uh, you, you are on sidelines. And, and there have been times where you have been fairly seriously injured Covering football games, yes? Yes. I, um, I, I kind of joke about it now when I'm telling people, but I was hit on the sidelines by three players, and I went flying through the air, then hit the ground, and all three of them landed on top of me. 
and I'm, I'm kind of like, what the heck just happened? And uh, my photographer at the time was Daniel Williams, one of the best photographers you'll ever meet. He got me up off the ground, and I'm saying, let me go, let me go. And he, he let go, and boom, I went down again. And I looked at him, and I said, what happened? And he said, three of them hit you, and you went for airborne. But, so, but, yeah, I, but it caused some knee, knee damage, did it not, to you, that, that particular yeah, instance? it did. That and uh, my neck and my back uh, were injured. So uh, I've had the knees replaced, and probably before the end of the year, we'll do the neck and then sometime next year do the lower back. Well, it, it's good to hear, Beth, though, that on a legitimacy standpoint that you were welcomed with open arms. You, but I want you to differentiate. Were you talking about the general public that welcomed you with op- open arms or athletic people, and particularly Southern Miss? I think that, um, you know, the, you have to look at it in a lot of different ways. Okay. The, the fans, the viewers, right. were very, very welcoming, very welcoming. Um, and then I had no problem with the coaches. Um, there was one incident, um, that was not pleasant with a, a sports information director. Um, but as I understand it, Regal Napier spoke with the Southern Mist, um, sports information director and said, listen, she's here. She's doing a job. Let's be okay about this. And after that, everything was Okay. But did you did you find yourself getting access to sources that 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 your male counterparts were also getting any 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 other hurdles simply because of your gender? Not not really. Okay. I, I can't I can't speak highly enough of the people of South Mississippi yeah. uh, in and out of the sports business who were very very welcoming. Uh, when I was living in Laurel, Rebecca Patrick. Uh, Rebecca Ratliff at the time was uh, a newspaper reporter for the Hattiesburg American, and uh, they were willing to accept her as a, as a female reporter, and so then I got accepted as well. And to this day, Rebecca and I are close friends. And and as the pioneer, as it were, of, of female sportscasters covering Southern Miss, then then Marilyn Broom very soon after that came on board as the second, I guess, female sportscaster. And I'd imagine if there was a fly on the wall, you and Marilyn probably had some stories that we're going to carry over, Beth, to the second segment, if you'll hang around with us. Sure thing. Um, Marilyn was the third. A third, okay. We're, we're going to get that all straightened out when we get uh, on the other side of this commercial break. The Eagle Hour from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, Uh, Continues in a moment. Luke Johnson out uh, today and Friday. And uh, we'll continue our discussions with Beth Taylor and Patrick McGee still to come. And a breakdown of the Massey ratings. All as the Eagle Hour continues in a moment. Southern Miss to the top. The Eagle Hour continues this segment brought to you by Campus Bookmark and the big, bright gold building right across from the main entrance to the Southern Miss campus off of Hardy Street. They're open 24-7 at campusbookmark.net. And, of course, that 
would be the place that you could start your Christmas shopping if you wanted to just uh, peruse the inventory and then maybe stop in the store if you wanted to. But they never close because of this thing they call the Internet. Thank you, Al Gore. (laughs) And they'll deliver right to your home. Campus Bookmart, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Kelly Sander, along with producer engineer Merg and Beth Taylor, continues now on the... Well, we thought we had her on the sports line. We're going to get back in touch with her. Beth was the first female sportscaster uh, in South Mississippi and the first one to cover the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. She was an LSU grad and then moved to Laurel, Mississippi in 1979, where she was hired by the NBC affiliate WDAM-TV in uh, Laurel and Hattiesburg. And we talked about her being the first. And then one of her her colleagues, Marilyn Broom, uh, was the third. And Beth, as we bring you back online now, I I did miss one of the uh, female reporters who was second in line to you. And I think whether or not you're up to date with uh, female reporters, I feel like most people would have heard of who the number two person was. Yeah, I think they probably have. Her name is Robin Roberts. <laughs> who is now the host of what, Good Morning America on ABC? Good Morning America, yeah, and it has their own production company. And both of you were on sports staff at the same time. Yes. she. Uh, when I first got there, it was just Regal and me, and I worked from Wednesday through Sunday, and then Regal would take over on Monday and do all the newscasts on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, and so Robin was looking for a job, and uh, Regal said okay, and he moved her to weekends and gave me five days a week, uh, Monday through Friday. And uh, that's how we started out doing it that way, and she did that for, I think, at least a year, maybe a little bit longer. And then she left Hattiesburg and went to um, WLOX on the coast, and it was uh, Mitch Williams who took over her position. And, and the, we all know the story of Mitch. Right, and, and uh, of course, her rise to, to fame for Robin, you know, good for her. And, and I, to this, oh, absolutely. And to this day, I, I, I have her cell number. I mean, here, I have the cell number for the host of Good Morning America, and every once in a while I'll just call her, and she'll always be so gracious. And she was the... Uh, ambassador uh, or the grand marshal of the Indianapolis 500 parade a couple of years ago. So she, I knew she was going to be in town and, uh, and I called her and we had a good chat and she said, man, there's nothing more that I would love to hang out with you and the guys and, and have an adult beverage, but they've got me scheduled, you know, back to back to back while she was there. But as we continue our discussion with, uh, with Beth Taylor, again, uh, Robin Roberts was the second female reporter, then Marilyn Broom, who is now Marilyn Elsey and is teaching journalism at William Carey University in Hattiesburg. But Beth, in your years covering Southern Miss, were there, um, and you don't necessarily have to, to mention names, I, I, always, I always use Jim Carmody as an example because I personally never had any problems with Jim Carmody. I, you know, he, he wanted you to be there at a certain time, but if you were there, he was certainly respectful and, and very gracious. Did you have any particular trouble with any personality at Southern Miss during your time, or was there one any coaches that were particularly fun to work with? They were all fun to work with. Um, Doc Harrington, who was the trainer, he was a terrific guy. Um, Bobby Collins, who was coach, they don't come any nicer than Bobby Collins. And then after Bobby, it was uh, Jim Carmody, who, as a New Orleans native, we got along great. Um, I can't 
I can't say anything negative about anybody at Southern Miss during the years I was a sportscaster. But, but, um, but when you are a sportscaster, there are some times that the stories aren't necessarily pleasant, but yet have to be told. How did you ever draw that line and deal with the fact that, hey, this might be stepping on some toes, but I have a job to do? That's it. You have a job to do. Um, I always say that journalism is a privilege and a responsibility. If you accept the privilege of being a journalist, you must respect the, the uh, opportunities and requirements that come with it. Um, you know, um, I'm trying to think. Bobby Collins, uh, when he left Southern Miss, that was a hard time. Yeah, um, to go to SMU. Was, right, and then to have what happened at SMU, and he was then out of coaching. Um, so, as far as coaches were concerned, in the in the seven years that I did sports, it was basically Bobby Collins and then Jim Carmody. And it turns out that Jim Carmody and my father had some mutual friends. So, um, dealing with Jim Carmody was was very very easy and pleasant. I've heard people say a lot of things about Jim. Uh, Regal one time said after an Ole Miss game that Southern Miss had lost badly. That Regal, I mean, uh, Jim borrowed a car to come driving back to Hattiesburg with his offensive coordinator. And Regal said he was peeling the paint off of that car, meaning that they were yelling loud enough to peel the paint. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know many football coaches that like to lose. None. In, in, you know, I, in particular. I also, I'm sorry, I also covered JCJC Jones. Um, and it was Sim Cooley. Right. And uh, they don't come any better than Sim Cooley either. And one of the hardest things I had to do with him was he, um, they were, his team was playing further up Mississippi. I can't remember where they were. But um, he grabbed a player and, and socked him in the mouth. And I had to cover that, too. And he, it, that's not easy when you've built relationships with these coaches. And it was just not a fun time. You know, it's interesting because we live in this now woke world, or at least we, we talk about it. And, and I'm still, I'll still be at, the, at, at different places watching games, and I will still hear what I consider to be open-minded people uh, hearing a female do play-by-play, for example. In this day and age, and they're going, oh, gosh, a woman play-by-play. Give me a break. And I'm sitting there going, is this 19... 19- 75 or is it 2021 my point being it seems that that society generally speaking is more accepting of female reporters but they don't seem to be as accepting with play-by-play women that do play-by-play is that reasonable is that fair reasonable okay it's it's unfair but your your assessment is fair okay um it's that i i think it's that they don't think we know anything because we didn't play the game you know, guys grow up on the sandlot hitting the basketball goal or uh, hitting a, um, a baseball and throwing a football. And women so much so don't do that. And I think that oftentimes they don't believe that we have the knowledge to know about it. Um, you know, I can think of one night in particular when I had to cover the New Orleans Saints and I went into the locker room because I had to do my job. Right. And they yelled, Lady in the locker room, and, and you hear this loud groan. Uh, so you know right away that you're not really wanted. But I have a job to do. Now, Brent Butler of the Atlanta Braves, who is long retired, 
But Brett Butler said that he refused to meet with female reporters uh, in the locker room. He said, I will certainly be interviewed, ask any questions and stay as long as they want me to stay. But but women reporters will not see me in any stage of disrobe. He said that the only woman that would ever see him in any stage of disrobe would be his wife. If Brett Butler were to tell you that, Beth, would, would that be would that be fair? I would ask him to please reconsider, number one. And number two, if he didn't reconsider, then I would ask him to give the same limitation to a man covering him. I think that I think that's a fair I think that's a fair response. I think that's a fair response, too. Now, you made the transition from sports to news. And in that time, you got to you've gotten to interview uh, quite a few celebrities. Now, did you there, there are some stories in the in the media uh, circles, I guess. Did you interview Kiss, or was that was that Marilyn Broom? Must have been Marilyn because okay. it wasn't me. Okay, all right. Well, who who are some of the most notable people on the news side that you got to interview? Um, I know it's kind Dave of, Thomas. Okay, who, who owned Wendy's? <laughs> right, right. Um, Doctor Jonas Salk, who uh, came up with the polio vaccine. Uh, Mother Teresa, when she was in New Orleans, and I was working as a reporter for the Times Picayune. Wow! Um, um, I had I had already interviewed presidents because I had been working with the Republican Party uh, right out of high school and had done time on the White House staff. So meeting any of those guys again was always a pleasure. Um, who else uh, on the on the unpopular side? As much as I like him today. Uh, Marcus Dupree, which was an, an uncomfortable story for everybody who had to cover that. Right. Um, and that, yeah, was, and, I, and that was right in your wheelhouse years-wise uh, in Hattiesburg and Southern Miss, yes? Yes. Um, his, his mother said to me, uh, they were, he was debating whether to uh, come to Southern Miss, and his mother was in town, and they were meeting with Dr. Uh, Ken Fairley, and the reverend right. and he took him out to eat and i followed him and his mother marcus dupree's mother said she lost her religion with me and she, she tore into me but uh about a couple of weeks ago i was watching espn and 30 for 30 came on and it was marcus dupree yes and we're facebook friends well good so good. I was able to talk to him about it. Beth, it's always great to, to touch base with you and share your perspective of being the first female sportscaster and reporter of Southern Miss Athletics. Continued success. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks much, Kel. Uh, Southern Miss to the top. Hey. South Mississippi, thanks for everything. All right, Beth, we'll talk to you soon. The Eagle Hour continues. Patrick McGee up next in a moment. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill, where the party was going on last night. If you weren't there to see Game 6 of the World Series, where the Atlanta Braves captured the World Championship, it's quite a party. It is every night at 4th Street Bar and Grill with the dartboards and uh, the... The pool table's there. Everybody gets in line, puts their dollar up there, next in line to shoot some pool. And that's where all Southern Miss 
Fans like to hang out, young and old, pregame or postgame, 4th Street Bar and Grill, uh, right across the Highway 49 bridge there in the shadow of the Rock Proud supporters of the Eagle Hour. Joining us on the Super Talk Mississippi hotline now from NOLA.com, N-O-L-A.com, is our buddy Patrick McGee, who, Patrick, as we welcome you in, everybody in the Crescent City's got to be riding high after the Saints pull off, the, I should say, well, I shouldn't say pull off. New Orleans is a pretty good team, but defeated the evil empire of Tom Brady and the uh, Buccaneers last weekend. So where do the Saints go from here now, and what's the quarterback? What's the latest quarterback situation now? Yeah, it was a, a big weekend in New Orleans, kind of one of those weekends where everything feels closer to normal. It was a big Halloween weekend, and the Saints come in and really rock out the Superdome. Uh, so, yeah, momentum's definitely on the Saints' side. Uh, but as they have all season, and deal with the injuries and and right now they're probably dealing with the biggest injury they've had all season in Jameis Winston. Uh, if you go back and listen to what Peyton has said for weeks, it's that, you know, if they know who, if they know they're going to be without Winston in the upcoming game, they're going to go with, uh, Taysom Hill. That's what he said in the past. Not, he may, he, he's probably leaving himself open the option of going with, uh, uh, <laughs> just pulled a total play <laughs> on Simeon. Uh, it's it's you know it, it could be you know it, it, he could still go with Simeon even if Taysom is clear, but we're not a hundred percent sure that Taysom will be clear coming off the the concussion. Uh, so yeah, I mean I, he really could go either way at this point. But if he thinks Taysom's healthy, if you rely on what. Uh, Peyton is set up to this point. I think we're going to see Taysom Hill at quarterback. Well, there's a couple of rumors, of course, floating around there. One is that uh, that Philip Rivers would entertain mm-hmm. any offers that the Saints were to make. That's the number one rumor. The second rumor is that Cam Newton might be on the speed dial, that uh, the Saints might call Cam Newton. Any truth to either one of those or just uh, fan speak? No, I mean, I think if they wanted to, to add Cam Newton, they would have done it, you know, probably by now. They'd uh, Philip Rivers is maybe a guy they consider down the road if they, you know, heaven forbid they have one more injury at the position. Uh, he, he's somebody who can plug in right away and probably keep moving. He'd have to learn the system a little bit, obviously. But uh, I don't think they're going to add either of those guys. I think they feel fairly decent with three guys they got. I, I know Peyton and company are really high on uh, Ian Book and what his future offers. They would rather he not touch the field this season. But uh, Simeon knows the offense. He's been there. You know, a uh, uh, full year now after coming in late last season. And, and uh, Taysom Hill has shown that he can him win football games at quarterback. He beat the Falcons twice. and uh, It's Falcons who they play on Sunday. So, I, you know, I believe, Sean Payton, that they, they feel pretty good with the, the options they have. And all things considered, usually a, a team at this point, you know, doesn't have three guys that they can put in and win football games. And I think the Saints believe they have that. Well, Patrick McGee from NOLA.com, full disclosure here, I just want you to know that I am working on an image and likeness deal for Blue the Wonder Dog. <laughs> we have not. Well, heard- <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for NIL for Blue. He needs, you know, he needs some type of uh, endorsement. He's getting groomed on Friday, so maybe I get some new. Uh, photos made and see if I can get a, a new agent on the line and see yeah. what we can do for him. We have not heard from uh, Blue on today's broadcast, although we, we usually do hear, hear from him in the background there on, on other uh, opportunities that we have with Patrick. All right, since uh, I think we talked to you last, Patrick, all of this uh, unpacking and rearranging of different conferences has come to fruition. Southern Miss now headed mm-hmm. to the Sun Belt, and the Conference USA, is it, it appears, uh, it's just a dumpster fire with them. It just appears that they're grabbing for anyone with a 
heartbeat at this point to join that conference. Yeah. What, what do you make of all of it? Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I, you know, I want to see Louisiana Tech and UTEP in a conference and, and, and really want to see them do well. You know, you feel bad for those two programs. Uh, UTEP, you know, when things are going fairly well, especially in basketball, they've always had great fan support and they've had a good football season. Uh, Louisiana Tech's always had pretty good tradition and maybe not the same fan support they deserve. Uh, we saw that kind of show up in baseball this year, but football's been, even though they've been pretty good for a while now, their fan support isn't what it was. FIU was just, <laughs> yeah. just a wasteland. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, you know, it, I, you know, the, the teams at Conference USA is, is, can put together a Sam Houston's a decent team to move up, uh, to FBS, you know, Jacksonville State, not so bad either. Heck, they just beat Florida State. Um, but they're becoming some weird, bizarro version of some the Sun Belt Conference uh, if they kind of move forward with what they got and they're just going to be well spread out. And, uh, you know, I guess maybe you could argue, you know, Sam Houston Tech can be travel partners. Uh, New Mexico State and, and UTEP pair together pretty well, but uh, Liberty's kind of a controversial uh, ad. They've they've had issues there on campus, but it's 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 going to be a weird it's going to be weirder probably than any conference we've seen over the years. And there have been some weird ones, and uh, you know it's not something that we would see working in the long run. I mean, for Louisiana Tech to have to go to you know Lynchburg and then go to Las Cruces. I mean, what do you? you know, I mean, do you just if you're football, do you go out to El Paso and just stay four or five days and play on a Thursday or Friday against New Mexico State? I mean, what's the? It just doesn't make much sense uh, what they're putting together, but they're just desperate to make this work and. And there's enough schools out on the F- FCS level that want to move up to FBS because they see dollar signs. Uh, we'll see. It's, it sounds like they're moving towards an eight or nine team conference. Well, I think the verbiage that you just used that it makes no sense. And if you you know right. you, UMass and UConn have also been offered as right. potential uh, potential teams Football, in Conference yeah. USA. And if that's mm-hmm. the case, if you add UMass. And UConn and New Mexico State, I mean, you talk about all three of those football programs are Jerry Springer shows waiting to happen. I yeah, mean, I mean, I, yeah, it's, it's, you know, in, in New Mexico State, I feel kind of, you know, a good basketball program. Uh, but, I mean, talk about, the, talk about baseball. I mean, New Mexico State having to go to Liberty and Miami for weekend series. Are you serious? I mean, it's, 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 it's just like the, every – it, it, it's like Conference USA almost deserves this because they've put so many of their members through the same thing. They, they've added, they added, you know, about two too many schools at least. Uh, FIU and, and probably Middle were probably would have been the two that would have been left out. I mean, I know they added FIU before FAU, but that was a joke. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the Conference USA is just almost deserves uh, uh, the, the lineup they're going to get. I mean, they're better off just shutting it down, but. Uh, they're benefiting that there are enough independent schools uh, that want a conference for football, and there's enough FCF schools that are desperate to move up. And Southern Miss fans had made this point through all this transition, too, and I want to get your opinion on this. A lot of fans said generally if Southern Miss didn't make the move this time, it, was, it would almost be a fatal blow to, the, to yeah. the Southern Miss program at the Division One level. Your thoughts? Yeah, it w- I mean, Southern Miss would have, you know, it would have been awful. I mean, they would be closer to a ULM, you know. I mean, they're in the same conference as ULM right now, but ULM right. financially is 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 the bottom of the the uh, the bottom of the ladder. I mean, they're just the worst in terms of finances. Uh, they keep pl- trudging, trudging away, trying FBS, and it's 
you know, they're doing fairly well this season. Terry Bowden, I think, turns out to be a pretty good hire for them. Uh, but it's just, it's, it would have been really difficult for Southern Miss to survive uh, moving forward if they were still stuck in a Conference USA situation. I mean, just, just to, I mean, it would have, it would have been awful. And uh, Southern Miss probably would have had to try to go with independence and just schedule as many SEC and uh, you know games and and you know get with Louisiana Tech and some of that. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it just it's, it would have been. T- it's really tough on Louisiana Tech right now. It, and it would have been especially hard on Southern Miss just in terms of morale. It's funny that you mentioned ULM because I talked to some some ULM faithful over in in Monroe, and I was asking them about. The Terry Bowden situation, how they got Terry Bowden, and how they got Rich Rodriguez, their offensive coordinator. These these guys are are big name coaches, and they said, "Well, we we have to get coaches that quote unquote don't need the money." Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As many buyouts as both of those guys have had, I would think that that they are sitting sitting pretty. But in fairness, they've you know they've had they have had a good season. Over there at Monroe. So back to switching now back to the Saints. Tampa Bay still the favorite to win that division, particularly with the injuries that the Saints are racking up. Yeah, I mean, I would I would give them a slight edge at this point, just because you know the if, if the in the Saints have been dealing with injuries all season. It's really surprising they're sitting here at five and two, and in the two games they lost were games they just played terribly. Um, uh, you know, they had, they had the game at Carolina where half the staff was out with you know COVID. And, uh, you know, the head guy's missing there. And, the, and then the Giants game, they just had a fourth-quarter collapse that Sean Payton is still kicking himself over with, kicking himself over. And it's, it's, it's amazing how close they are to being 7-0 if they just caught a couple of small breaks along the way. And actually, uh, so, you, you talked about COVID and the Saints being out for COVID for that Carolina game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is being reported right. today. Aaron Rodgers, the outstanding Green Bay quarterback, has tested positive for COVID. He was unvaccinated. And so now he will be out uh, when they play the Kansas City Chiefs. Boy, there's an old uh, Super Bowl throwback, Green Bay and Kansas City. Uh, Patrick McGee from NOLA.com, a good friend of this program. Thanks, buddy. Good to talk to you. All right. Thanks, Kelly. All right. We'll talk to you soon. And when the commercial break is over, we'll come back and tell you about uh, some Southern Miss sporting events. And we'll break down the Massey ratings, both in football and now basketball. I think you'll be surprised at how they look at those two different sports. We'll be back in a moment. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson have the day off. Meanwhile, Kelly Sander and Michael Mergens holding down the First Bank Studio here in Hattiesburg. This segment brought to you by D1 and D-Bat Training as temperatures turn cooler and your young athlete wants to get ready for the upcoming baseball and softball seasons, which will be here right after the holidays. It's amazing how quick uh, baseball and softball get cranked up. Nice warm place to do that is D1 and D-Bat. Also, don't forget to... fall and winter birthday parties that they can host the kids there at D1 and DBAT. Big fans of this program. We are of that facility as well. A little bit about a lot of things. Lady Eagles soccer on ESPN Plus tonight. They're in the conference tournament against FAU. That's a 6 o'clock 
start, 6 o'clock start on ESPN+. Plus, we had assistant coach Carly Malden on the show yesterday. Good luck to the Lady Eagles against FAU tonight. And again, a rare instance where you can uh, check them out on television. College football on this Wednesday night. A little action going on tonight. Central Michigan, the Chippewas at 4-4, four and four, taking on Western Michigan. Uh, Western Michigan has a 5-3 and three record. Meanwhile, the Wolfpack of Northern Illinois. How far was DeKalb, Illinois, from your hometown, from Rockford, Michael? Uh, 40 minutes. Okay, so North- Most of my family actually went there. Okay, so... Th- I did not, <laughs> even though they had a radio program. Well, you went to Brown Institute, right? Yeah, yeah. Which was a big radio... Uh, yeah, it uh, doesn't in, exist anymore. In Minneapolis. Yeah. So you kind of like the Wolfpack. I mean, considering your oh, yeah. relatives went there. And they're taking on the golden flashes of Kent State. And those games are on the ESPN networks as well. All right, we talked a little bit about how the Massey ratings sees... Conference USA in the football light and basketball light. Let's go through it first of all in football. There's 130 teams that in FBS. 130 teams play college football in the FBS. The way the Massey ratings has the conferences ranked, there's 11 conferences. All right, 130 teams, but 11 conferences. What team or what conference, Merg, would you think the Massey ratings has ranked as the best conference in college football? College football. Most people would say probably the S. Well, here they'd say SEC. Right. Automatically, I go Big Ten. And that's the answer. That's, yeah, because yeah, yeah, you're from the Midwest. Yeah. So the Big Ten is actually the number one conference, according to the Massey ratings, not the SEC, although SEC right behind in second. But guess who is ranked as the worst <laughs> conference in college football? CUSA? Boy, that was... Wow. I, didn't, I didn't even hold up a cue card. No. And you got it. How does it break down specifically? Well, UTSA, undefeated UTSA, is ranked 22nd in the country, according to the Massey ratings. Now, remember, there's 130 teams, so 65 would be the halfway point, right? UTSA is the only team in the top half, Ugh. ranked 22nd. Everybody else beyond 65 then. UAB 70th. Marshall, 71st, FAU, 72nd. Then comes Western Kentucky at 75, UTEP at 86, Middle Tennessee at 95, La Tech at 107, Charlotte, 109. Oh, and it gets worse. Rice at 112, Old Dominion at 114. Remember, there's only 130. North Texas at 119, which we're holding – Holding on to the faith that, that we can beat North Texas this weekend in that 2 o'clock start. Then Southern Miss at 126 Oof, duh. Out, of, out of 130. And FIU, who the Eagles still get to play the day after Thanksgiving, they're 129th. All right. For the record, UMass is 127. New Mexico State is 128. <laughs> UConn is 130. They're dead last. And those are three teams that Conference USA would be picking up. You stay classy. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Yeah, I mean, you're already ranked 11th, mm-hmm. right? All right, now, conversely, basketball-wise, there are 35 conferences, and there are 358 basketball teams that play Division One. Conference-wise, what would be the number one conference in college basketball? Big Ten. The Big Ten. So the Big Ten, number one in football and basketball. Wow. All right. Fourth is the SEC in really? college basketball, fourth. And Conference USA ranks 13th out of okay. 35. That's respectable, right? The top third, essentially, uh, in college basketball. 
number one in the country, Gonzaga, in the first basketball poll. Baylor's number two. And then from the Big Ten, in order, Michigan, Illinois, Iowa. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, three, I'm happy Illinois is in there. Three, three, four, and five. The Illini. Yep. All right. Now, Conference USA, remember the halfway point would be 179 with 358 teams. Most teams are in the upper half. North Texas, 102. La Tech, 106. Western Kentucky, 108. Marshall, 113. UAB, 120. Old Dominion, 138. 150th is FAU. UTEP at 157. UTSA at 162. Charlotte at 179. Those are all in the upper half. And then in the bottom half, and unfortunately the Eagles are there, 181 is Rice. 202 is Southern Miss. So the, the Massey ratings have Southern Miss 202 out of 358. Middle Tennessee at 234, and FIU, the dumpster fire that that athletic program is in both football and now in basketball, they've got them listed at 242. Interesting that uh, the Massey rating certainly has a lot more love for Conference USA in basketball than it does in football. Luke Johnson will rejoin us tomorrow. We'll be talking more about the North Texas Southern Miss game coming up uh, this weekend. Boy, big game for the Eagles coming up with beautiful weather. And... Um, We'll let you know as to how the soccer game came out. Everything else, everything that is Southern Miss, we'll be here on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. For producer engineer Michael Mergens, I'm Kelly Sander. Thanks for joining us. Until then, Southern Miss to the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.